Welcome to Prime Time. This week, Prime Cuts scoring. Hello, and welcome to Prime Cuts, where we talk backbench business and answer the questions you didn't know you had about modern British politics, or indeed, this podcast. <laughs> I'm John. I'm Rob. And I'm Kess, and today we are looking at our absolutely inexplicable scoring system. Thank God, because I have no idea how it works. It's not inexplicable, because it's about to be explicated. Exactly. <laughs> oh, very explicable. <laughs> so explicable it needs its own mini-podcast. <laughs> scoring yeah, system. none of the other podcasts need something like this, do they? <laughs> and on that note, we should say... Only listen to this episode if you are actually interested in the scoring system. Yeah, if you're the kind of person that really loves statistics, this will be the episode for you. If not, and you just let the scores wash over you at the end of every episode, you can ignore this one. This is just for reference. Come back to it whenever you want, and you uh, might remember remember what you need to. Can I leave? Can <laughs> no, I leave? you are mandated to be here. <laughs> it's in the terms of your parole. <laughs> My parole? <laughs> Such a weird parole. Yeah. <laughs> you must do a podcast about Prime Ministers. So the brief format of this episode is we're just going to talk about each score one by one. Yeah. But I want to start by saying that the goal of this podcast is to determine who is the best of the Prime Ministers. And therefore, in order to do that, we need to have a really good scoring system so that when we get to the end, we can objectively state the truth that we have discovered as to who is the best. I think we've objectively discovered that the best is Hugh Grant, right? No, actually, we've objectively discovered that he is worse than Robert Walpole. Yes, yes, by 0.4 points. Oh, yeah, that's fair. He is exactly 0.4 points. He did not He did not profit from slavery, but he did harass Natalie in his workplace and misuse public funds. So, you know, he did. swings and around. We, and we know exactly how many points he deserves for that. <laughs> now, obviously, this is a relatively light-hearted podcast, but that doesn't mean that we're not uncovering cold, hard facts yes. about their performance. And when it comes to the scoring system, we've basically had lots of ideas and said yes to every single one of them. And that's why it's this mess that you're about to get into. It seems that you two have had many ideas and said yes to every single one of them. And then every time I join this podcast, there's like another, like an additional thing. that We, <laughs> <laughs> we have changed it a lot since we started. Yes, I am actually going to announce some addendums to points. No! Oh, no. But it's okay. Nobody's moved by a serious amount. Every tenth of a point is serious, John. <laughs> so a few ideas about the score in general. First off, it's intended to be out of a hundred. Yes. And exactly a hundred. Exactly a hundred. There is no leeway. And the idea is that fifty is supposed to represent Yeah. Something yeah. that's sort of they were fine. They existed. You know, if you've listened to our Lord Wilmington episode, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, he existed. Yeah. Whereas um, lower scores are supposed to be for people who we were either particularly unimpressed by or did things that were negative to the country or they really messed up in what they did. Higher scores, obviously, are supposed to be for good performance. And uh, should we make comparisons with, say, fictional prime ministers or, yeah. or things from other categories, they can all be compared because it's all out of 100. So rather than taking like zero as a baseline... Our starting point is like 50. If someone comes out with exactly 50, they're just completely fine. They neither added nor took away from yeah. British politics in I'm general. I'm excited to see at the end of the series who is the most average prime minister. <laughs> I think that's really interesting. Yes, absolutely. And the further away you get from five or 50, the harder it is to move further. Somebody scoring sort of 61 versus 62 
is not as big a leap as moving from 71 to 72, which like that's yeah. So it's, it's, like, it's like incremental the, increase in yeah it's like the richter scale yeah <laughs> <laughs> thank god what a useful comparison now i can understand exactly what we're doing what rob is saying is that a single 100 prime minister would actually destroy this country <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with prime and premiership this is their time in office as prime minister so we're ignoring anything that happened before that or since that, it's entirely about that window when they were in the hot seat. Not just their political life, their life as Prime Minister specifically. If you had a long and distinguished career as not Prime Minister, we don't care in this category. Exactly. But while you are Prime Minister, we care about your impact on the country. I'm now talking to the Prime Ministers, apparently. <laughs> uh, we care about their impact on the country, any major laws that they passed, wars prosecuted, good or bad leadership exhibited. This is about what did they do while they were at the helm of the ship. We have the benefit of hindsight. We are privileged to know things that people might not have known at the time, about how corrupt they all were, apparently. <laughs> um, but we are trying to judge them by the standards of the time um, and judge them against their peers. So, for example, at the point when our podcast started, you could be sentenced to the death penalty for stealing a shilling is really not very much money. Yes, um, it's 5p. Exactly. Is this the Georgians where they beheaded you for everything? Absolutely everything. Yes. And obviously, nowadays we look back and go, wow, that was awful. I mean, maybe beheading people for wearing blackface while committing crimes. You know, I mean, that might be okay. But <laughs> pretty much all the other uses of the death penalty, they, they've got to go. I'm fine with it. You paint your head, you lose it. But we reluctantly accept that the standards of the time were such that the death penalty was a thing. Yeah. And we will celebrate it when prime ministers move forwards. Yeah, exactly. Rob's, Rob's going to cut it so that you say, we reluctantly accept that the death penalty was a thing and we will celebrate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, I'm editing this one. Oh. <laughs> That's true. So yeah, so basically we're trying to emulate public opinion. We're trying to reflect public opinion of the time. We're putting ourselves in the shoes. Oh, we are becoming 17th century people. What would be your 17th century name? Oh, you would just be... <laughs> Probably what Robert. it is now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of like, you know, when people have Puritan names where they're like, the God <gasps> shall forgive us upon the... Yes. Were it not for prime time, there has to be cursed. <laughs> <laughs> Short to prime time. <laughs> However, we are also going to try and not be swayed by things like rabble rousing and the other things that politicians are prone to do to encourage people. And instead, we'll be swayed by things like our lack of understanding of that period. <laughs> <laughs> how much they beat the French. Mm, very important. <laughs> Big points for We've that. actually just left the beating the French period. That's, that's no. sort of ended. Well, there's, there's a bit more coming up. That, yeah, you're right, actually. So Prime and Premiership is measured out of 30 because we'll each give points out of 10. Yes. And what we'll usually do is start at 5 and work up or down. We'll each try and say what our point is going to be and then we can argue with each other and potentially... You know, convince people to, to move up or down. This is the part of the scoring that makes sense to me. We all give a score out of 10. It adds up to something out of 30. <laughs> we write down the numbers and that's the score. Maths. That one's so simple, isn't yes. it? And it gets much more complex. If only they were here. all like this. <laughs> Next up. Life and Legacy. In Life and Legacy, we look at all of the things we didn't look at in Prime and Premiership. We care about what they did before and since they were Prime Minister. Did they have an interesting life? Did they lead troops into battle? Did they wander the continent? Meet some penguins. <laughs> <laughs> 
How? I like the idea that the 18th century was just Antarctica full of these like young aristocratic men just, like, <laughs> just wandering, wandering around. around freezing. I thought I was coming here for <laughs> cultural reasons. They all went there to find themselves. <laughs> I, do you know what? I just went to a polar exploration museum in Oslo, Did like you? literally two days ago. And it was all about literally men wandering around Antarctica. <laughs> Presumably Roald Amundsen. Roald Amundsen was like oh. the main guy. And I went on the boat. They oh. had the Fram, the ship there. And the, and you could just like climb all over it, and I I like went on it. I was like, this can't be really the cool. actual ship, and it was. And presumably the Norwegians were just like, Do you know what, this ship survived like literally traveling to both the North and South Pole. What are you going to do to it? I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. You got to like climb all around it. They had like a little weird simulation room where you would go into it, and they would simulate what it was like to be trapped in ice. <laughs> And there's like dead freezing people in the walls and a polar bear trying to eat you. It's horrifying. Absolutely horrific. Genuinely horrific. I like the idea they just went to the museum's kitchen and walked into a freezer. And they're like, oh no, it was <laughs> oh, an experience. Oh no, you're room. trapped in the. <laughs> so... Don't mind the polar bear and the dead men. <laughs> this is where we shot the science fiction film, The Thing. My Roald Amundsen fact is that that's where Roald Dahl's name comes from. Is it? No. He was named after Roald Amundsen. Interesting. That's there aren't really many Roald. Are no. no. That's so fun. Yeah. Back to life and legacy. The other thing that we look at is their legacy. Whether or not they did things that we look at now as being great achievements. Winning one of, of, of a number of wars against the French, probably not that big a deal, although I don't know. Some of them were big I don't know. Deals. It'll better have been a big war, that's, yes. that's to say. <laughs> Bringing bills that fell two years later, not such a big deal. But on the other hand, some of these people have established the office of prime minister or changed the diplomatic fabric of Europe changed the world around them hopefully for the better also probably worth noting unlike prime premiership in life and legacy we're looking at it from like a modern perspective so if they did do dodgy stuff like profit from slavery or marry their underage cousin or anything else like that i don't know if any prime ministers did that but i feel like probably then we're gonna judge them for it yes and that's definitely an impact of legacy that i think it can be quite difficult at times, but also interesting to explore because modern day scholarship has paid a lot more attention to whether or not prime ministers did things that were considered palatable. But for example, I had to actually figure out how much money Robert Walpole made from the slave trade by hand because <laughs> nobody had bothered to calculate that. Everyone was like, yeah. you know, it was legal then, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So it can be interesting to dig into that. And by separating this from prime and premiership, we can simultaneously have the subjective view of the time and the objective view of the very judgmental historian. Yes, and I think that makes a difference because this category, we again start at five. Mm -hmm. So five is sort of no legacy, and then good legacy is above that, and bad legacy is below that. Mm -hmm. So it's not just any old legacy gets you more points. It's good legacies get you more points. Bad legacies get you fewer points. But nothing does actually get you a few points. Yeah. Because at least you didn't mess anything up permanently. Yeah, it's better to have no legacy than a really bad one. Yeah. Tell that to Lord North. Yeah, <laughs> tell that to Wilmington. Yeah. <laughs> Wilmington tells that to Lord North. He does. <laughs> as Rob says, we give points starting at five, but it's actually out of ten for each of us, so we'll each give points out of ten. And then they get multiplied by two-thirds, just so that the total for this category is 20, I'm... rather than being another 30. Oh, I'm having, like, PTSD flashbacks to GCSE maths. <laughs> it's okay, Kess, because I'm going to do the maths for you. Right, actually, you've done a very good spreadsheet that does all the maths, even for you. But you did set up the spreadsheet. So that brings us to a total of 50 points. 30 for Prime Premiership, 20 for Life and Legacy. Indeed. 
sincerity. So in this category, we're obviously going to dig into all of the scurrilous things that they did, we're going to look at any affairs that they had, that sort of thing. We will be a little bit careful about how we present things that might have been considered a big deal at the time, but less so today, such as homosexuality and that kind of thing. I don't really want to turn this into some sort of witch hunt, essentially. But I think it's really fun to explore lots of those stories. What we'll ultimately be judging them on, though, I think, is a sense of integrity and whether or not they told the truth. And we're doing this again from like a fairly modern perspective, aren't we? Because we had Warpole, yeah, had like an open marriage and then also obviously had loads of affairs, but we didn't give him any scandalous points for that because everyone was fine with it. His wife was fine with it. He was fine with it. So from a modern perspective, open relationship, very chill. Yes, we're being very liberal. We are. I think on the other hand, though, for example, corruption, which was the word of the day. <laughs> yes. We're being quite judgmental about mm. because that involves them being personally dishonest. If that's how we feel. Yeah, so we're coming from like a modern perspective. I love, this is the Johnist of all the categories because you're, you're like, so they must be, they must have integrity. Like <laughs> they must be honest about what they're doing. That's good. At least it's not the John category because he's giving lots of points for the real sinful stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is actually a thing because we start at five again out of ten, but they lose points if they are sinful and they gain points if they are sincere. So if they do dodgy stuff that we think is dodgy, then they will get negative points for that. And then if they are generally a good egg, they will gain points. So again, similarly to Life and Legacy, if they have a legacy of having done bad things... They will. Yeah, they will. Fewer than five. Yeah, they yeah. will do badly for that. We don't want our prime ministers corrupt. That's the hard line we're taking on this. We don't. We are good, upstanding citizens. Unless they were so corrupt, they then managed to get all of the knighthoods and dukedoms. In which <laughs> yeah. case, they can get those points back. <laughs> we'll That's get true. to that in a minute. Yes. <laughs> so again, sin and sincerity. We'll each give scores out of ten. Those will add up to a score out of thirty, which we multiply by two thirds to make a score out of twenty. Just like the last category. And that takes us to a total of 70 points. Okay, I'm following this so far. Actually, for the first time since we've started this podcast, I understand our scoring <laughs> system. So that's 30 for Prime Premiership, 20 for Life and Legacy, and 20 for Sin and Sincerity. So those are all the subjective scores. Those are the ones where we're making our own decisions. But now we move on to the objective scores that are calculated based on actual facts that are repeatedly based on my shoddy understanding of the situation. <laughs> I think you have very well-researched understanding of the situation, and the reason I think that is that I have not looked into it at all, and therefore <laughs> must rely completely on your knowledge. And that's the case for all of you. Don't anybody dare correct me. <laughs> uh, seriously, if, uh, if anybody does have any comments about the uh, numerical calculations here... Please, Keep them to yourself. <laughs> please tell me. I'd love to... to... Don't tell me. <laughs> There's a recurring theme across all our episodes, which is John saying, please write into the podcast, and Kess going, do not contact do us. Do not. <laughs> majority. Robin, do you want to start by telling us what a majority is? A majority is the thing that you need in order to govern, to control a majority, that is more than half, of the House of Commons, which is how it normally works nowadays. So that is what we're calculating in this category. Exactly. So the current House of Commons has 650 members in it. Which means the majority is 326. And if you have 326 MPs, congratulations, you can be the government. Except that there are a couple of annoying caveats to that. For one thing, the Speaker of the House does not count when they are elected, because we'll cover this in a Prime Cuts episode, obviously. Oh, they have to be apolitical. They have to be apolitical. So if the extant speaker, the person who is currently in the role, stands in an election, 
they do not stand on behalf of a political party, or at least that's what we do nowadays. Yeah. And so they don't then count out of the 650 because they're never going to vote against you. So you actually only need 325 out of 650 in order to have a majority. And then we have MPs who haven't been sworn in. When a general election happens, most MPs are queuing up to join Parliament, or at least that's what happens these days, because they've just campaigned very hard to get in. But there are some MPs who don't. And principally among these, we have Irish Republicans. Now, Irish Republicans are elected on the basis that the statement they are trying to make is that they believe that Westminster shouldn't have authority over Ireland. And as a result, they do not swear the oath. They believe that they should not be a part of Parliament because... As Irish Republicans, they should not be part of the British Parliament. They should be part of their own independent Parliament. So if you have six Irish Republicans and the Speaker cut out of your 650, that means you've only got 643 voting members of Parliament. And that means that in order to have a majority of those 643 voting members of Parliament, you only need 322 MPs in your government versus the 321 voting MPs who aren't in your government. Now, the size of the House has fluctuated over time. At one point, it was actually 707 MPs for one election. Which is huge. But we're ignoring that. We're going to say that what we're measuring here is how many MPs you would have to abduct in order to make the government fall. (laughs) Because that's basically what the majority is. As a disclaimer, John is not planning to abduct any MPs and should any MPs disappear (laughs) over the course of the next few days after we publish this episode, we are not responsible. We will give John an alibi. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Um, So uh, the way that the actual points have been calculated from this is that I've lined them all up, worked out all of the biggest majorities that every prime minister has had, and then try to set it up so that we've got a roughly equal number of people getting high points and getting low points. So you've assigned them a figure between zero and ten? Okay. Yes. So it's not done as a percentage of the biggest ever majority. You've shifted the grade boundaries a little bit, like a good teacher working out, Mm. marking GCSEs or something. And so that is designed to... The bell curve. It's the bell curve. It's designed to spread everyone out a bit more because... A lot of majorities are quite similar. So you would, if it was just done as a percentage of the biggest ever, you'd get quite a lot of bunching in one area. So in setting different grade boundaries, we're slightly smoothing it out, making people who'd got just above average, actually giving them a bit of a boost as they go up. But people a little bit below average, we're pushing them down a little bit as well. Yes. And that's especially important because not all governments have had a majority. There have been plenty of minority governments. And so, in fact, there are 12 prime ministers who just get zero points. Oh, embarrassing. But not negative points. Not negative points. So we're not giving them any, you either had a majority or you didn't. Zero is the minimum. Yeah. There are also 14 prime ministers who had such massive majorities that they got 10 points. And that's partly to balance out the people at the other end of the spectrum with none. And partly because, frankly, it's not the 18th century anymore. So expecting a modern day prime minister to achieve that sort of ridiculously large majority, or indeed to compare against the majorities that happened during world wars when we had coalition governments. It's just not fair. Okay, so we will add a score out of 10 for majority to our number. Which takes us to a total so far of 80. 30 for prime premiership, 20 for life and legacy, 20 for zen and sincerity, 10 for majority. Tenure. So tenure is relatively straightforward. 
unlike our other schools. <laughs> and it's just how many days they were Prime Minister for. It has to be done in terms of days because sometimes you had people who were in multiple times. In fact, one of our Prime Ministers was in for four separate terms. Four separate terms? Yes. Is that Churchill? No. Ooh. William Gladstone. It was indeed. Gladstone. One of our most famous prime ministers. Yeah. Yeah, big name of the Victorian era. I was going to say, is he the one that Victoria kept bringing back? Yeah. Yeah, the okay. One that Victoria didn't like. Oh, he was the one that she kept back. not bringing back. <laughs> she begrudgingly accepted that she had to... <laughs> Bring it back again and again and again. <laughs> so we add up the total number of days, and similar to majority, this then gets spread out in terms of points so that the people who are in for a long time get lots of points and the people who weren't in for very long don't get very many points at all. And again, it's a scale of? Zero to ten. Cool. Yes. Nice and straightforward. And again, we don't do it as a percentage because the longest serving Prime Minister was Robert Walpole at 20 years. And if we did it just as a percentage, he would get 10 points and basically everyone else would get five or under. <laughs> so we've smoothed it out. Uh, except for Hugh Grant. So, oh, of course. Sorry. Except for Hugh Grant. Who I think we worked out served for... Oh, ages. <laughs> yeah, four, 14 or something? 9.5 points. Yeah. Good, good. We reckoned that he was at about that stage and he would have had to have served for quite a few more years in order to get to 10. Yes. So there are 10 points for tenure. And that brings us to a total of 90 points. Oh, we're getting close. So that's 30 prime premiership, 20 for life and legacy, 20 for sin and sincerity, 10 for majority, 10 for tenure. Excellent. And let me tell you that these last 10 points are horrifically complicated. Oh, no. This is the best bit. Is it? John and I have very different opinions on best. <laughs> prestige points. There are several categories for prestige points. First up is peerage. Basically what we're saying is that it's not just the cherry on the cake. These are many multiple fractions of cherries on the cake. Oh, God. But you can work to get one at a time. And, it, and peerage is if you get a title. Yes, there's two ways to get points in peerage. The first is to get a nice title, preferably after the point at which you became Prime Minister. So what we do is we have a point value for every degree of aristocracy, essentially. <laughs> this is the most British podcast there's oh, yeah. ever. <laughs> yes. the points are, if you have nothing, you get no points. If you are a knight or a dame, you get one point. If you are a baronet or a baronetess, you get 1.5 points. If you are a baron or a baroness, you get two points. A viscount or a viscountess, that's two and a half points. An earl or a countess, that's three points. Oh God, we're only at three points. <laughs> Nearly there. A marquis or a marchioness gets 3.5 points. And a duke or a duchess gets four points. Oh, it's only our four. And then there is an additional oh, point. Oh no. <laughs> which is separate to those points. There's an additional one that's supplied if you were made a member of an order of chivalry at any point in your life. Specifically for the points about what level of title you got, what matters is where you were when you died versus where you were when you became Prime Minister. So if you became Prime Minister as an Earl, like Lord Wilmington, and then you died as an Earl, you don't get any points. No, you've gained nothing. Exactly. Whereas one of our Prime Ministers, unfortunately, is probably going to get a negative point. <gasps> yes. Oh, no, that's embarrassing. Oh, yes. Mm, absolutely. I like that. So what we're saying is climb that greasy pole. Climb yes. That if, you, if you don't get a nice peerage, why are you being Prime Minister? But you aren't allowed a nice peerage until after you've been Prime Minister. Exactly. Yes, you don't want to get it beforehand because then it's not worth anything. Very true. And there are some people who got given peerages for various things that they did early in their lives and then became Prime Minister... 
but weren't advanced higher up the ladder, so that doesn't count. We only care what you got for being Prime Minister. Exactly. The other point in peerage, as we mentioned earlier, is for people who are made a member of an order of chivalry. So that's the Order of the Garter, the Order of the Bath, the Order of the Thistle, the uh, Order of the British Empire, that sort of thing. You might have seen that some, especially British athletes, actually, will often have OBE after their name or something like that. Oh, that's... Oh, my God, yeah, of course. that's what that is. So you don't necessarily have to have been a knight in any of these orders. You just have to have been made a member of these orders. And that's at any point in your life. We're not going to make that a since-you-were-prime-minister thing, because... Essentially, you can't inherit it. It has to be given to you. So if you at home are an Olympian and you have an OBE... You would score one point in our primetime review. Congrats. Shout out to any Olympians out there. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Or Paralympian. Or indeed anybody who's got an OBE for being a great actor or for services to hairdressing or to show jumping or any of the many, many, many other things that we give it out for. Exactly. Out of five points in the peerage subcategory, four are for titles, and you work your way up the ladder, and that gets you more points. And then there is one final point, if you were ever, at any point in your life, a member of an order of chivalry at all, have a point. And that brings us to 95 points. Now, I do also want to say that there's going to be a bone of contention when it comes to people who were offered things, but didn't accept them. I think we're going to have to negotiate those in the individual episodes. I think we're not going to agree on a policy now. For example, Winston Churchill was famously offered a dukedom for essentially, from our perspective, winning the Second World War. Now, we say that he won the Second World War. The rest of the world was also involved. (laughs) But the point is that after that, he was offered a dukedom. No, he didn't take it. I'm I'm with Kat. It's a debate. (laughs) We're going to have the debate at the time. (laughs) <laughs> fine well you know how we're gonna vote <laughs> if you don't take it you don't get it no nope. next up is progress so progress is a category that came out of the fact that we noticed that almost all of our prime ministers are posh cisgender heterosexual white men as far as we are aware uh who went to either oxford or cambridge and one of about what six public schools in london there's three that were really pegged. okay three that and those are westminster uh, harrow and eton so if you are a woman if you come from a minority ethnic background if you did not go to one of these extremely posh public schools if you didn't go to oxford or cambridge if you have a disability or if you are a member of any minority group, which is basically not extremely privileged posh white man, then you will get a point for progress because you have extra things working against you, which a lot of the other prime ministers didn't. Yeah, so basically imagine your stereotypical early 18th century prime minister and then if you have any one characteristic that is not that, you get a point. You cannot get more than one point though. Yes, and you only need one thing to make you different. So, for example, somebody in the early 18th century who was posh and white and male, but also didn't go to Oxford or Cambridge or public school, is potentially up for this point. It's not about diversity in the world. It's about diversity specifically in the ranks of the prime ministers who are very undiverse. And I do want to stress that we're not trying to address the balance here. We're trying to call it out. So Mm. we will make sure when we talk about, say, the handful of female prime ministers that we've now had in recent times, a major part of their episode will be the fact that their approach to politics will have necessarily been a much steeper climb than many of their more privileged male colleagues. Mm, So they'll pick up points in other places where just this point is literally just to flag it up. And that's one point. 
which takes us to 96. 96. We're so close, but these final points are taking ages. Next up is practice. So there are four great offices and we will do a Prime Cuts episode about this, but Kess, do you want to guess what the great offices are? Yes. There's the foreign secretary, home secretary, um... Uh, the big one, the one that they all do, the... First. First. Off- L- Lord. First Lord Protector. No. <laughs> Damn it. First Lord Treasurer. First, first Lord, Lord of the Treasury. Of the Treasury. There we go. We got there. Okay. Drag Lord Protector. That's what I was thinking about. <laughs> Did they get a point for being Drag Lord Protector? In their private lives. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know what the fourth one is. Chancellor of the Exchequer. Oh, yeah, of course. Yes. So... They will get half a point for each of those offices. Yes. So okay. it is a maximum of two with four half points. Now, almost every prime minister was also first lord of the treasury. And in fact, there's only one prime minister who wasn't first lord of the treasury. But he was a drag lord protector. <laughs> but he actually was um, <laughs> a, 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 the home secretary or equivalent. So, so he still gets a point. But anyway. So we're saying everyone is coming in with half a point. Everyone is coming in with half a point. Can yes. you tell we've contrived this deliberately to fit the 100 points? Yeah. Everyone... Doesn't, it doesn't feel remotely complicated. <laughs> Everyone comes in with at least half a point, but one person, that half point, isn't for being First Lord of the Treasury, which is very unusual. Because all the way through this series, we've talked about how First Lord of the Treasury is the original job, then Prime Minister is like this other title that develops, and they almost always come together. But mm. just once, they haven't. And so that person will not get a half a point for this. But for every time they were Chancellor of the Exchequer, or Home Secretary, or Foreign Secretary, or the preceding offices to those two, which were Northern and Southern Secretaries, they will get half a point for each, up to a maximum of two, because there are four of these jobs. They can also get points for this if they were this after they were Prime Minister. Indeed so, yeah, just at any point in their lives. Cool, okay. So that brings us to 98. Yes. We are so close, John. (laughs) Come on, come on, we've got... We've got to be wrapping it up. Next up is parlance. I know this one. This is if they were a cardinal. <laughs> yes. We would, yes. We'll have an entire episode on this too, because it's so much fun. But in the Houses of Parliament, when referring to one another, members of Parliament will use a very specific formula, especially in the Commons, but also in the Lords. They will usually refer to one another as being honourable. It's not actually a title, it's more just a sort of to be polite, because the standard of politeness is now that you can't ever not say that somebody's honourable. But you can also provide additional descriptors if they have done one of a number of things. So for example, if they are a priest, or if they have taken holy orders, then they can be referred to as reverend. Indeed, so they would be my honourable and reverend friend, as opposed to just my honourable friend. This is how I'm going to refer to everyone from now on. Oh, well, yes. oh, but there are better ones. <laughs> Have you met my honourable and reverend cat? <laughs> now, none of the prime ministers were reverend, unfortunately. But David, the prime minister from Love Actually, was given a point for this on a technicality. Which is really funny because in the previous bit, we say that we're not going to give him a point for peerage. Because even though another character oh, yeah. that he played got a peerage, he didn't get one. And then we immediately go into this and see the exact opposite. Let's not judge. No, let's judge. <laughs> prime time giveth, prime time taketh away. Exactly. So that's reverend. There's also gallant, which is that's if you fun. were a commissioned officer in the British military. Is it gallant or gallant? Oof. My gallant for it. Gallant. Definitely gallant. <laughs> and then there's noble. 
this is how peers refer to one another all the time in the House of Lords, but we actually only care about whether or not, weirdly, they would have gotten it in the Commons, which is a very fringe edge case. And the reason you might be referred to as noble in the Commons is if you have a courtesy title. Now that's a bit of a weird British aristocracy thing that we're not going to go into into much detail yet. <laughs> but if, for example, your father has so many titles that he can't use them all at once, then you might be able to borrow one of them. And that might mean that you could be called noble in the uh, House of Commons. Like the royal family, right? Because, like, doesn't Harry always get... Not Harry, but, like, the, the spare always gets Prince of Wales. Well, it's, it's sort of like that, in as much as there is one person in charge who is the king or queen, and then and everyone else just the... gets to be prince or princess yeah. because they're sort of related. So it's a bit like that. So, yeah, people with big peerages sometimes get to sort of hand down their lesser stuff to the next generation. Exactly. So that's noble. And then we have, finally, learned. Learned is given to people who are barristers. And this is a bit of a point of contention because I've definitely seen it written down that it only goes to people who have taken silk, which means that they are the top level of barrister. But actually, uh, having had a bit of a chat with a parliamentarian about this, apparently this one's kind of crept up. It is pretty much just used for anybody who was a, a lawyer in any way, shape or form. And if you want to know the difference between lawyers and barristers, Actually, we're probably not going to do a Prime Cuts episode on that, but really it's just that in the UK we have barristers who argue in court and solicitors who give you advice outside of court. When you said, I've had a chat with a parliamentarian about this, I was like, John's time travelled to the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> I found Oliver Cromwell. <laughs> no, Tom, uh, yeah, Oliver Cromwell. Yeah. Apparently, learned is now used to refer to basically any lawyer in the House, but having had a conversation with a barrister about this, the, the use of it actually comes from the courtroom. So in court, yes. if you are a barrister, you are referred to as learned, which not all people in court are. I mean, obviously, you've got lots of people who aren't the lawyers, but also <laughs> there are certain situations in which a solicitor advocate can pretend to be a barrister, but they won't be called learned. And it can be a bit of a snub if you don't refer to them as learned. So we're going to go, I think, with the approach that you have to be a barrister. Yep but you don't necessarily have to be a QC or KC, which is a sort of top level of barrister. Okay. I think that's fair enough. Yes. And you can get a total of one point for this category. Yeah, so even if you somehow managed to take <laughs> holy orders and lead troops into battle and also <laughs> inherited some sort of wonderful This would be incredible. And were a barrister, you'd still only get one point here. Yes. But you would be a massive badass. <laughs> you absolutely would. And it's also worth noting that these extra titles clearly come from the jobs that people thought were important <laughs> quite a few hundred years ago. Doctors get nothing. No, no points for doctors. You know, Instagram influencers get nothing. <laughs> it's only those four jobs. The aristocrats... No points for podcasters. No points for podcasters, exactly. It's just aristocrats, military, lawyers, priests. That's it. We should come up with our own our own title. We should. Ooh. Honourable and, and broadcasty friend. Yeah, um, so catchy. Body. <laughs> my my Poddy. honourable and body friend. <laughs> we'll, we'll workshop it. Yeah, <laughs> Um, and that brings us to 99 points. We must, the end must be in sight. Surely Come we've on. we've only been talking for four hours. Finally, we have polling. In the modern day, if you're going to become prime minister, you have to go through this boring democratic process where you have to stand in elections and all that sort of thing. Ugh, yawn. But back in the day, basically anybody could be prime minister if the king said, hey, do you want the job? And so we give a point to the people who actually put the effort in to participate in democracy. <laughs> And this means that they have to have contested an election in a seat that was not a rotten borough, i.e. they didn't own the place. Yeah. And won. Yes. And in victory, they have to have been prime minister. So either this election 
was the one that got them into the prime ministership or it was an election that happened while they were prime minister and they won it and carried on being prime minister. So no points for losers. <laughs> and, and no points for lords. Exactly. If you're a lord, you don't stand in an election to the House of Commons. So no points for you. Losers. I think we could probably sum up this whole episode by saying no points for losers and no points for lords. Oh, except all the points that we have for lords. <laughs> but they, you only get them if you didn't start as a lord. That's fair. Yeah. So I think that's where we're coming from. And that brings us to a total of 100 points. Finally. Dear God, let it end. We're Say done. there are no more points. John's so offended. <laughs> <laughs> that means we have a breakdown of 30 for Prime Premiership, 20 for Life and Legacy, 20 for Sin and Sincerity, 10 for Majority, 10 for Tenure, which takes us to... 90 points and then we get all the little bitty ones which we are collectively calling prestige prestige points and they all collectively add up to the last 10 and apart from Gina Patry (laughs) (laughs) that's uh, uh, an out of season joke if you're not listening to this Christmas (laughs) (laughs) today is actually the 21st of December so we're in a very Christmassy spirit we are we've drunk a lot of more wine (laughs) (laughs) yes in a Christmassy spirit is one way of preferring to the amount of uh... (laughs) Liquor. We are in a Christmassy <laughs> bottle of gin. <laughs> Christmassy spirit is in us. That's yeah. And that brings us to right on or right off. This is a podcast where everything is made up and the points don't matter. So <laughs> it's not even about the points. It is all about the final judgment. It is absolutely. This is one final thing which you may recognise from our email address, and it is this final judgment of basically were they good slash cool, slash interesting, slash important, or were they a write-off? Do we just not care about them? Can we forget about them? Or were they rubbish? Do we hate them? Because if we hate them, they're a write-off as well, right? Can be. I mean, I think it's it's up to us to decide how we interpret it. I think if I hated someone a huge amount, but they were incredibly important and incredibly interesting, I might give it to them. Yeah, I suppose that's fair. And the points would then reflect that rather than the right on rail. Exactly. But yeah, it's based on that final judgment of, do they matter? Are they important? Have they gone down in history? Or are they just a footnote in history? Absolutely. With the pun, of course, being that every Prime Minister, and indeed every senior minister in the government, is appointed to the Privy Council. There will be a Prime Cats episode on Privy Council. And that enables you to be called the Right Honourable for life. So the the winners get called Right On, because that is how you often shorten Right Honourable, they get called right on, and then the best joke that we could come up with was that if you aren't a right on, you must be a right off. You know it's going to be a good pun when you have to explain. <laughs> there are so many bits of our episode that we still haven't explained and that we're never gonna. <laughs> no. And with that, there are a few points to be redistributed. Okay, <laughs> right. we're four prime ministers in. So, David from Love Actually only gets 9.5 points for tenure, because that's as many points as Tony Blair gets, because I redid the boundaries since that, since that uh, episode. So we had given him 10? We had given him 10. Okay. Oh, we had to take away 0.5 point. However, he gets it back, <laughs> <laughs> because he was also first Lord of the Treasury. Oh, that's ah, so funny. Excellent. Okay, so he finishes on he? exactly the same number of How points. How do we know that? Because every Prime Minister for the last 200 years has been. Oh, fun. Okay, so yeah. it just works out the same. Mm. Okay, so it's, it's, it's not an overall error, but our workings were wrong. Exactly. Okay. And then finally, Lord Wilmington oh, is no. going to get an additional no. half point. No! Oh, 
because he was also first Lord of the Treasure. Yes. So yeah, Lord Wilmington is going to gain half a point, and that puts him at 46.2. So in <sighs> other words, he is even more mediocre than he was before. Just so average. Oh, he was so average. Well, John, I can feel the shockwaves of that reverberating around podcast land. They're going to be talking about it in the pubs <laughs> for weeks. <laughs> so that was a roundup of our incredibly helpful and informative and useful and valuable scoring system. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, but what it does mean is that uh, if you've understood it and listened to the end of this episode, A, well done. But B, it means that now you completely understand the most authoritative ranking of prime ministers ever. And C, it means you're a massive nerd. <laughs> Congratulations. Join Just the club. Like us. This was a Prime Cuts episode. And if you got this far, I hope that you didn't find it pointless. Oh. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at primetime underscore cast. And write in at writeonwriteoff at gmail.com. And remember, never flinch, never weary, never despair and subscribe to our podcast. Prime and Premiership. Prime and Premiership. Doing a Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill will be presenting this episode. Prime and Premiership.